first of all, let me get the dad joke of the week over with, or, okay. you know, blog de papa de la semaine, as our <laughs> French listeners say, <laughs> dad joke of the week. Um, why did the mosquito go to the dentist? Um, because he had an itch. To improve his bite. Uh, that's not very good. Yeah, they can't all be good. Yeah. Um, some dads aren't very good, quite frankly. <laughs> This is The Greg Cody Show with Greg Cody. Pardon it. Here's your host, Greg Cody. Yeah, hey, we're doing it. Uh, <laughs> hey, uh, everybody, welcome. It's The Greg Cody Show with Greg Cody and Chris Cody. And today... Doing it. Suspicial. A special. <laughs> I almost said suspicial. I meant to say auspicious. Uh, I want all that edited out. Nope. Every time I am... No, no. Every uh, Jessica, every time I do something embarrassing on on the podcast, and I say edit that out, mm -hmm. he never edits it out. Right, it always what? gets in. Dad, it's charming. You know how charming it's that not was. Well, charming. You just, it was charming. No, it it makes it sound like I'm I'm drunk at uh, four p.m., which I uh, occasionally I will be, but I'm not today. <laughs> um, uh, everybody knows Jessica Smetana, who listened to the Levitard show because she's fabulous. Absolutely fabulous. Jessica, Thanks, do you Greg. think of yourself as fabulous? Yeah. No, I've never used that word to describe myself, actually. But I'll take it. Why? Fabulous. <laughs> just I, I, I don't feel like I'm a fabulous person. I feel like a very. I think fabulous. Person. I think fabulous suits somebody who um, is into musicals like you are. Oh, I think musicals are fabulous. What are we doing today with this? Because, Dad, you texted me something about show tunes. Is that just what old people call musicals? Or, like, I didn't know if you were talking about, like, the theme songs for TV shows. No, this is musicals. Is Like, show tunes, is that are musicals and show tunes? I don't know whether those are synonyms or not. Are they? I don't know either. <laughs> I think sh I think of a show tune as, like, a, a song that you sing on stage. Okay. So that, yeah, a, which is a musical. musical okay. Is a, okay. I, well, yeah, maybe. Show theme maybe, songs. Maybe I was thinking of. themes because, like, show tunes are in musicals, ah, maybe. Okay. But they don't have to be. I think they can be kind of standalone things. Well, uh, I I know musicals are important to you, and and I recall last year when we all had a uh, a part in the um, the Levitard show musical. Uh, what was it called? The Big Game, which is mm -hmm. about to be nominated. I understand for the Big Game musical. Yeah, it's about to be nominated for like major awards from everything I hear. Mm -hmm. And uh, JT Daly, the producer of that, raved about Jessica's participation. And I remember we had him on our podcast, Jess, and he described your voice. And I'm sure he meant this in, in a positive way. He described your voice as, as theatrical and almost having a Disney-like quality, which I think was wow. wonderful praise by him. He said that yeah. about me. Yeah, yeah. And in, in <laughs> fact, uh, let's uh, I didn't know that. let's pull that back from that episode and uh, and and play it at oh, some wow. point because he did. The X Factor was already done with this. I just had to write songs that served that. You know, I knew that Jessica was going to land hard on the pitch and sound like a Disney character. Who did you have to use auto tune the least on? The least on probably um, it's kind of sucks because everyone's saying that Jessica is tuned a lot. I actually didn't have to tune her that much at all. Jess, I want to ask you why and how did music become important in, in your life? That's a great question, Greg. My parents have always been musical goers since I was a little kid. We, you know, my sister and I grew up outside of Chicago, so we were not too far from a pretty decent sized musical theater scene. 
a lot of big shows when they're done on Broadway come to Chicago, you know, on their whatever tour. And then there's also some shows that have been there for a while. So my parents, you know, maybe once a year would take us to a musical. So I have seen a fair amount of musicals. And then of course, when I was younger, all of the Disney musicals were very popular. The Little Mermaid, The Lion King, cartoon musicals uh, like that. So I feel like I, musicals have always been a part of my life, Greg. So if going to a movie, the ideal snack is popcorn and a drink, what is the ideal musical snack? Like, what do you what do you get every musical that you attend in person? Or are you not eating? Are we drinking? Is it cocktails more? So you're not eating? Yeah, I was I was going to say the last few years, usually I'll have an intermission vodka soda and a bag of M&Ms or something like that. <laughs> like a little something, something sweet to wash down the, uh, the vodka. Mm -hmm. But, you know, musicals are, are tough because... Unlike a movie theater, like you, you really can't be rustling a bag while you know your soprano has food, a has food. a solo okay. on stage. Like you can't be distracting. It's it's a very um you know. Am I showing my ignorance here? Like, are do people go? Are people not snacking during musicals? Why did I have it as like a similar? Like, you, I mean, you can like they have concessions. More but drinks, it's not, You're right? What am I doing? It's more. It's I don't know. I think I feel like so, it depends on the theater, yeah. Chris. Right. But okay. like, if some of the night, like the bigger, nicer theaters, like you don't want to really like be bothering the other patrons. I'll do it. I paid for this ticket. I'm eating these damn M and M's. What, what do we think of intermissions? Because I'm anti-intermission. I would rather really, Mr. Miller Light, Mr. I gotta pee because I've drank six Miller Lights. I'm I'm just saying I would rather sit through one long continuous play or concert than to have an intermission and fight a crowd. I mean, I feel like in some shows they're necessary. Like a lot of Broadway shows are the standard, you know, seven or eight p.m start and then there's a 15 or 20 minute intermission and then it's usually done by 10 30 and so some of them you're just there for so long that you need that break to go to the bathroom or to get a water or whatever otherwise like you're just kind of in it for a while it's like seeing the dark knight rises twice <laughs> i want to get your top five musicals of all time but first i want wow. to dissect um i want to dissect uh the the particular thing about musicals that interests me which is um when when i get and I, I i'm not sure if hamilton was the last one i actually saw on stage but when you go to a musical it's very obvious that everybody has to like super project their voice they have to super project all their hand movements it's almost like some a stage actor almost has to overact in a way am i is that harsh or is that accurate i think that's accurate i don't know have you ever seen um like musical makeup up close no Okay, so there's some tricks that, you know, people that do makeup for musicals do where they'll over-exaggerate things so people far away can see them under the bright lights. And so, like, up close and in person, the makeup might look one way. It might look kind of crazy, but then on stage it looks incredible. And it's because, like, you're operating in, in this very limited space and you need to be able to convey an emotion or a, or a scene or something to the entire room. So right. they do exaggerate a lot of things, makeup, costume, hand motions, whatever it is, dancing. I think one of my favorite things about musicals, Greg, is the choreography. Yes, for sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and also, <clears throat> another thing that interests me about musicals is um, it's something that's inherently... Um, segmented between acts and scenes and everything but yet everything has to seem seamless you know like like you're going from different periods in time and and the stagecraft is amazing to me right 
because it has to Christopher's giving me a look like I, I have three heads well no I'm just I'm just I, I feel like you're faking it right now dad with this I no, feel like he I'm genuinely not, likes musicals Chris. Look, Greg I, I have you ever seen videos I'm of not, like the the star in a musical or a play having to do a quick costume change and how fast they're able to do it and come back out yeah it's amazing it's incredible right and I here's another thing I wonder would uh, a stage actor be able to transition into being a film actor. I true, I mm. truly wonder that because to me, they're two different skill sets. There's a lot of people that have come from Broadway, though, right? In film, like there's a lot of. Yeah, I think I think it's actually like pretty common in the UK. Like a lot of British actors and actresses start their careers in theater and then work their way up into films. I think. I mean, I think of like Christine Baranski, who's a very theatrical, you know, musical actress who's been in a ton of Hollywood films and including Mamma Mia, which was a mu movie musical. Right. She was in that with Meryl Streep and Amanda Seyfried. Um, but yeah, Greg, I think I think it does translate well. I, I think like maybe it's not as common in the U.S. because we don't have quite as much. Um, I don't know, like England is just it's a smaller country and, you know, they have more theaters and fewer actors and actresses and in the US the, the film industry is big and spread out but I do think it's it's pretty common to be you know if you're a big time star in the UK you've probably been in like right. some some Shakespeare or other you um you mentioned Mamma Mia and and I have to tell a quick story about how much I love uh, ABBA Erlene and I were on a disco cruise yes for the first time ever wow two of Two other couples. We were Hell on a yeah. disco cruise like in early to March 2020, just before the pandemic hit. Like the pandemic was about to crush the entire earth, and we were on a disco cruise. Swingers cruise. And one of the um bands was uh an ABBA tribute band, but they were really, really good. And wow. and it turned out they were having us on some deck nine or something. They were having like a, a sound check slash rehearsal early in the morning and i was out and about probably looking for a 9 a.m beer knowing me and i just stumbled across their sound check so i sit down and listen to them it was one of the best performances i've ever seen in my life wow there were so many lame acts on that uh thing Wax. because you know you're getting harold melvin and the blue notes without harold melvin you know you're, you're getting like <laughs> harold melvin uh, and the blue notes and and these were none of these people were actually abba their they were Cabba. tribute to ABBA was just fantastic. I was mesmerized by that performance. Uh, and as I'm in the middle of the story, I realize it doesn't really have a good ending. Not well, really a punchline. Here's here's something for you, Greg. I feel like part of the popularity of Mamma Mia was that those songs are so singable and they're yes. so easy. They're they're poppy, but they're catchy, but the lyrics are easy. And, and when Mamma Mia was kind of a, a phenomenon sweeping the country, I remember they had Mamma Mia screenings where they'd put the lyrics at the bottom of the screen and people would go to the theater and sing yes. the songs together. Because I think for some reason, ABBA is just, it's easy to replicate and it's its fun oh. to sing along to. You don't have to be the best vocalist to perform it oh, well. Mamma Mia, Mamma Mia. That's what you guys are talking about, right? Yes. That song? Exactly. I heard... Um... Fernando came on my Sirius XM radio the other day and I cranked it up. It's like ABBA is like a guilty pleasure of mine. I truly love that group. And I don't. They're phenomenal. I, yeah. They're fabulous. They are fabulous. Dad, I actually want to jump around with Jess before we get to her top five. I want to bring her okay. in on the dilemma that we are currently having with mom's surprise 65th oh birthday, which will have already happened by the time this airs. It is tomorrow. Okay. We are recording this Thursday. It is tomorrow night. 
Uh, first, I just want to ask Jess if she's had any experience with having to plan parties where you have pressures of who to invite, who not to invite, where you're like people are getting offended that when they find out they weren't invited. Because we're we are dealing with that in the Cody household right now, mainly because my dad was at the uh, made the guest list originally and did a terrible job of realizing who he should invite. Oh no, Greg. key people left off that had to be invited last minute. So I've I've been basically cleaning up after my dad the last week. But uh, what's your experience with this stuff? I don't think that I've ever thrown a party for anyone or for myself. I can't think of any maybe dinner parties or something. Where people find out later, oh, you had a dinner party? Oh, you had them over? I mean, there's been like, not dinner parties, but there's been like small things. It's like, oh, we're going out to dinner, but like, uh, don't post anything. I didn't tell so-and-so I was in town. Like that sort of thing. Yes. That game's, that game's dangerous. Yes. Yeah. But, but never like a big party or, any, or a wedding or anything like that. Well, for me, the, the issue isn't just who to invite and who not to invite. It's the whole surprise element. Like the idea of, of me keeping a surprise from your mother, Christopher, is almost patently. It's, it's the reason, you know, beyond, uh, you know, beyond the natural fact that I'm a, an honest person. Uh, <laughs> one of the many reasons that I've never cheated on my wife is that Jesus. I would have zero chance of getting away with it. I'm a terrible, <laughs> I'm a terrible liar. She's a phone snoop. A foop. Oh, a phone snoop. How do you know she's a phone snoop? Oh, please. Whenever you get that I always wonder if my means... wife's a phone snoop, but I never see her do it. Not like wonder, but like... Do you, well, do, you do anything interesting enough that like she would want to snoop? No. Yeah, that's how I feel like I'm an open book. Like I tell <laughs> Lee everything. So if he ever was like looking at my phone, it would be so boring. I wouldn't even I would just assume she's looking for pictures for Graceland. Like I if she, if I saw her with my phone, I wouldn't even like Well well here's the thing with your mother, Christopher. Um when when my phone goes off and gives me that little sound that means somebody's just left me a text, she has no problem with picking up my phone and informing me who has just been trying oh, no, to reach. She me. answers your phone. Many a times I call you and mom answers right. and she's like, He's right here. Okay, now not ninety nine times out of a hundred, that's perfectly fine, but in the last two weeks I'm having text exchange. Are you deleting stuff? No. Oh no, mom knows. Oh my god, she definitely knows. Yeah, she knows. She knows. I know. I, I never delete stuff. What are you talking about? Damn, I didn't think of that. I did not know oh, mom was Greg. regularly going through your phone, dad. I, I have no reason to think she knows. I mean, yeah, I don't. I don't delete stuff. What, what am I? I'm not. I'm not saying. No, no, no. no not, I'm saying you should. I'm, I don't like. She's a lawyer. It's open for discovery. <laughs> He got that right. You should be deleting stuff in this scenario where you're trying, like, you know, you we're trying to keep this from Greg, I know. Greg, who did you not invite that you needed to invite? Her, like, I, like, like, it's one true. Of her, like, like, one of her, like, like, literally, if you were, if my mom was getting remarried, like, one of her bridesmaids. Oh, God. <laughs> okay, Greg. I hope he's not listening to this podcast. I wish you hadn't said her name, Christopher. Oh, yeah, I forgot we were recording. <laughs> okay, it bleep it out as well. Bleep it out. Yeah, please. Um, no, there were certain people like I invited uh, uh, half of a couple, but not her husband. Yeah, which caused a big problem. <laughs> That's like another thing. And, and then it's a group that they always go to. She didn't get a plus and one. It's, like my mom is tight with all these women, and all the other women's husbands got invited except one. Yeah, my faux pas. Greg. I know. But like, see, like if, back, if any uh, of these people are listening, see, like we should almost leave it all in because it didn't come. My dad just not a good party planner. Like he wasn't no. like de he wasn't deciding. Here's the cutoff. Doesn't make it. He lives in Orlando, so like he thought that was like oh since she doesn't live here, 
I'm just going to leave yeah. her off when it's like, dad, it's yeah. she's close enough. Just We're, invite we, her she anyways. Needs to be invited. Maybe right. she'll make the which trip. She, that's which once I came in, she got invited. Like a lot of people got invited. And the- is she going to make the trip? Is she coming? No. Oh, wow. Well, it was too late. Yeah. 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 But uh, the other problem in my defense is that. Stay with two gods. Damn. Can we air any of I- this? I don't think they listen. Just bleep, just bleep it, just bleep it. <laughs> yeah, just bleep it all out. I thought the cap was twenty or twenty-five people, and it wasn't. So why did you think I that? Did you think it because of you know? I don't want to say the word frugal. Um, uh, frugality has nothing to do with this. With the dime I'm dropping on this thing, please. I said I was willing to chip in. You just always <laughs> offer that. You offer that. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm a very token yeah. offer by you. you. Offer. What it. if I said, yeah, let's go fifty-fifty? I'll do it. <laughs> Funny. Um, because I've been past, I, I know the private room, having been to that restaurant a lot, and it seemed to me to fit 20, 25 people. Oh, that's a small party. We're going to end up having like 35. And yes, it is a small party, That which is why, you know. Okay, then I can see why you had to make choices. Thank you. Yeah, but my mom is one of these people. And my dad and like, I cannot wait till once the surprise is in so I can like tell my mom all the things that my dad did to like almost screwed up. Like, I can't wait to share with mom how I had to come in and save the day. <laughs> I can't. Yeah. And I'm sure you're going to take all the credit. I cannot tell you that if mom would have showed up, is. if mom would have showed up and was like, where's she, mom, you know, she's going to be like, we're within five minutes. And if you would have said, I didn't invite her, mom would have just started being like, nobody can post pictures. I, nobody doesn't know. She would start. It would be her. She'd be stressed her out her be, entire birthday. Be like, where's Brandon? And then you would have been like, Oh, I didn't invite him. You didn't invite Brandon. Like she would have been mad at you within five minutes. <laughs> Well, that's the stress of of being the main guy doing the surprise party. I hate it. I I don't I think I've done it once before in my life, like when she turned 40 or something. I mean, it's been a long time and it's a lot of stress trying to keep a secret. I remember at that at that 40th birthday party, my dad had a big it was at our house, a big like laminated sign of how many days she had been alive, like hanging out, which I don't remember what it was, but it was a lot. It's true. Yeah. For my dad's 40th, we um. I guess his his brother, my uncle, put up these lawn signs of embarrassing pictures of my dad when he was little playing the accordion (laughs) and everyone in the neighborhood saw them. And it's a very embarrassing photo. My dad looks very strange and nerdy. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I feel like doing things on your lawn is like a big 40th birthday thing. Yeah, it is. An accordion player has a place in my heart. I love the accordion. I really do. I'm not it, sure why it was the like I I mean the, my family's Italian and I know like accordion playing is maybe a, a little Italian but yeah. very very random instrument to play but I guess it was like 1960 so it is it's it's very unusual when I think of the accordion I think of uh, Italian music and also um, like Cajun music like K- Zydeco music from New Orleans and everything that's yeah. a, a, accordion is big in that so in random though i don't music. know a single person that's ever played the accordion other than my dad when he oh they i mean they weigh like 50 pounds it's it's like the most unco- i've actually held an accordion Is that true i had no idea yeah i can't play an accordion but i have held one yeah they're big heavy instruments um wow. i would love to play an accordion i really would the things you learn we should get you one yeah please let's do that whoever's listening out there who has an extra accordion Send it to the Clevelander in uh, South Beach, and I'll pick it up next Tuesday. That would be a good grit of death punishment. You have to play in a, the accordion for an entire episode. It would be. Except Greg would Greg would enjoy it too I much. would enjoy that, yeah. my I think the accordion is very forgiving. I think the accordion is such that you just, 
makes I, I, it's almost like a what's that little uh, mouth harmonica, harmonica? kazoo <laughs> it's almost like a kazoo like a large kazoo anyway we're off track here yeah we are <laughs> um jess i would love to hear your top five countdown of your favorite all-time musicals Ooh. and a song from each of them maybe like the whole song oh like that'd be great beginning oh wow front okay. to beginning that'd be great from front to beginning <laughs> Um, okay, well, this is this is a big deal, Greg. I've been working on this top five for a few weeks. Um, I've been I've been really looking forward to saying this on the Levitard show, <laughs> but I'm gonna give it you. I'm gonna give you the sneak peek of it okay. because wow. I'm really proud of this list. And Great. I know that our our musical uh, fans and our audience will love it twice. Mans. So I'm gonna start with number five, Sweeney Todd. Wow. Never heard of it. What? See, at least I've heard of it. I've at least heard of it, mainly because we they they sang it earlier on the Levit. I think there's a musical performance I'm cutting up right now. I believe you. Yeah. I was about to say it happened earlier this week on the show, but it didn't. It was in my headphones <laughs> were, when I was cutting up. You were cutting it, Greg. Greg, you know Angela Lansbury, don't you? Oh yeah. She, Murder she wrote. Yes, correct. And Jessica Fletcher. I think I was named after Jessica Fletcher. Wow. Wow. Um, Congrats. Not sure if that's true or not, but it is something my mom told me when I was like four, so I've oh, stuck with it. It makes sense. But Angela Lansbury actually played um, Mrs. Lovett in the Broadway production of Sweeney Todd way back in the day. This is an old Stephen Sondheim musical. Do you know what it's about, right. Greg? I can describe it to you. I do not, no. Oh my gosh. It's really convoluted and creepy. But <laughs> essentially, uh, there's this guy named Sweeney Todd who's a barber in London, and he's trying to seek revenge on the man who took his his wife from him and, and locked him up for years. And so he has people come to his barbershop, slits their neck while he's giving them a shave. And then the woman who owns the bakery downstairs turns their meat into pies. Hmm. What? <laughs> My God. That last part I was not expecting. I kind of knew the premise that he was not a nice, he slit people's throats, but the yeah. the, the meat thing. That's... Well, there is a film with uh, Helena Bonham Carter. And people eat it? Yeah, people and come people to the meat. meat they make a lot of money. The people come to the store and eat the meat pies that are made out of human remains. There's a there's oh, a film, oh I think Tim, Tim Burton from not too long ago, probably, I remember watching this when I was maybe in eighth grade. It was one of my favorite movies. And it stars Johnny Depp as Sweeney Todd and Helena Bonham Carter as Mrs. Lovett. And Sasha Baron Cohen is in it. Alan Rickman is in it. Um, oh, the guy who plays Peter Pettigrew in Harry Potter, I'm blanking on his name. He's such a good character People actor. People that but... have done musicals and film, as Dad was talking about earlier. Exactly. Yeah. So, right. well, Harry Potter's not a musical, but. Well, no, but like. Oh, I'm you mean like the is... movie? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I guess. Sorry, yes, yeah. you're right. I thought you meant because of Peter Pettigrew, but correct. Um, Timothy Spall, that's his name. I just remembered it. But it is so creepy. I would watch it every single fall around Halloween. Wow. I am genuinely shocked that uh, 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 a musical that dark. Does that travel? I'd see that if that came to Fort Lauderdale. I'd see Sweeney Todd. <laughs> would you? I would. Okay. It probably, right. I, I don't, I haven't seen it on any sort of. Is it on like Broadway? Like, is it on Broadway? Not anymore, but no. it might, maybe it'll come back. I don't know. I don't even dare ask what would be a song from that musical. You've piqued my interest. Try the priest. <laughs> it's because they turn a priest into a pie. It's really oh creepy, Greg. God. It's really creepy and dark. The movie is okay. terrifying. That's number five. Okay. All right. Number four. Another creepy one from the legend Andrew Lloyd Webber, Phantom of the Opera. 
Oh, wow. I think I've seen the movie version of that. The movie, I think I have. The movie came out, I want to say, like 15 years ago, and it starred Gerard Butler and Emily Rossum, I think. And the, the whole premise of Phantom of the Opera is also very creepy, I think. But we don't, we don't really think of it as a creepy musical, right, Greg? I think it's got a little creepy factor. Isn't the premise uh, uh, akin to The Elephant Man, or, or am I misreading both? Uh, well, so the premise is that like the Phantom is this man who lives underneath the opera house, and he's um, uh, like it's kind of like the Hunchback of Notre Dame. Like he's got this like okay. physical abnormality, and and so he stalks the opera house, and he falls in love with this young uh, soprano who's the understudy, and tries to train her to become a better singer. And then he he it's very creepy. He ends up falling in love with her. And that's the part where I'm like, when I saw this when I was a little kid, I was like, wow, like what a love story. And then when I watched yeah. it again as like a 25 year old, I was like, what the hell? Like this, this <laughs> phantom's like pretty horny for this girl. I don't know about this. <laughs> let me actually let, let me uh, real fast jump in here. I'm trying to share this. Does this work? Can you guys see my I can screen? see your screen. Yeah. All right. Let me do you hear this? No. Wait, why don't I hear it? Wait, I think my thing is going to be pretty good. Ready? I see you, Joanna. I feel you. Sounds great in this world. Huh? Dad, you were there for that. Fantastic. They do it again. Hold on. Now I'm at your window. I was in the dark before you. None of this is explained what it's about. <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, there you go. Okay, I just wanted to. What was that? That was like the musical performance nominee that Jess and Mike did of Sweeney Todd. That was Sweeney Todd. That's why I grabbed that. Oh wow. Okay. So, um, where were we on number three? Number three, Chicago. Ah, of course, Greg. I feel like that's very of your vibe. Yeah. I'm, in fact, I'm going to Chicago uh, next week for a wedding. No way. Fun. Yeah. Greg, no. I love the musical Chicago. I love the jazz. The dancing, it's like kind of like cool and dark. And, and again, very, very dark, actually, now that I think about it. It's about women who murder people and like live in prison. And then kind of like the main character is able to convince this lawyer through her, I guess, sex appeal to appeal to the goodwill of people to kind of get her out of jail. I don't know. I'm I'm not explaining the ending well, but... Very, uh, very murdery also. Numbers five, four, and three really convey a dark side to Jessica that <laughs> I never really imagined. I mean, think That's about it. That's fair. Well, so the the movie Chicago, I think, won Best Picture. It had yeah. Renee Zellweger, Catherine Zeta-Jones, Richard Gere, John C. Riley was in it, saying Mr. Cellophane. It was phenomenal, I believe Greg. in 03. That was one of my trivia things the other night in trivia. Oh. There was like a thing where you had to put four things in order of when they happened, and one of them was Chicago winning the Academy. And we, we got it all right, and it was like 03, I believe, is where that ended up being. If you I wonder. think you're right. I think you're right. It was the year before Million Dollar Baby, the worst film yeah. ever. <laughs> Anywho, love Chicago. Right. Wow. Number two. Number two, Jesus Christ Superstar. Wow. Yes. Now you're speaking my language. <laughs> you like okay. Jesus Christ Superstar? I loved it, and and I particularly loved the soundtrack, to be honest with you. And I never even heard of it. I have to tell you, it could be off a year or two uh, on the year. I'm, I think of it as like 1971, 72, 73, right around there. Is that a sound about right? And yeah, it's it's like a it's a rock opera. Rock opera. Yeah. 
Right. And and the, the title song, which I think was just called Superstar, mm-hmm. so that radio stations wouldn't be offended and afraid to play Jesus it. Jesus Christ, Superstar. <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ. Who do you think? It was, that was a soundtrack. I was in high school when that came out, I think, or maybe just getting out of high school. And that song by Murray Head was the lead singer with the great female chorus. That song was all over the radio. That was a huge part of the soundtrack of my life for like a year at a very important time in my life. So that's the main reason why Jesus Christ Superstar, to me, uh, resonates as important more than the, the, the stage show itself. I've never seen the stage show. I've actually never seen the stage show of Sweeney Todd. I've seen Phantom and Chicago and I've seen my number one on stage I think three times maybe (laughs) twice but Jesus Christ Superstar the film so they did the one with um John Legend uh a couple years ago or maybe like four years ago that was a made for TV thing over Easter it's okay it's good the the singing's very good but to me the campy 1970s movie with I think Carl Anderson is Judas I think it is so of its time. It's weird. It's kind of funny. It's just yeah. incredibly strange. But yep. I love the music in it. I watch it every single Easter. It's a little tradition for me oh, wow. to watch by myself. And again, Andrew Lloyd Webber. It is just, Greg, it's phenomenal. I think it was probably pretty controversial when it came out, though, because of certain depictions of different apostles and, and Judas yes. and et cetera. It definitely was controversial, I remember. And also, that was in a time in America, um, it was just coming out of really the hippie era. You know, all the guys had hair down to their shoulders and um, uh, Woodstock, I think it just happened a a couple of years earlier. So it was definitely fit a certain era. Um, But that's, that's, uh, yeah, that was a that was a big one to me. I love what was your favorite uh, song in that musical? Do you have one? Uh, For me, I think it's probably the opening number that Judas sings called Heaven on Their Minds. Right. Oh, Greg, it's so good. It was, I will sing a couple of notes. Okay, let me let me think. Okay, listen, Jesus, to the warning I give, and remember that I want us to live. <laughs> there you go. I'm trying. I don't remember it. the rest of the words. <laughs> I know okay, that. I no. know the song. I just need to hear That's the awesome. beat. To- that was lovely, and uh, we're gonna insert a drum roll right here, and here's why. Number one. Les Miserables. Thank you. Oh, oh wow. The epic. Okay. By Claude Michel Schoenberg, based on the book by Victor Hugo. The best musical of all time, Greg. Well, here's my only problem with that. I have a I have an issue with um, pronouncing titles that are hard to pronounce. Like <laughs> I was never sure growing up how to pronounce that. There used to be a shampoo. Oh God. I don't know if it's still or I can't be around with this name. There used to be a shampoo called Dippity Doo. <laughs> And I was literally too embarrassed to go into an Eckerd drugstore and say, I'm looking for the Dippity-Doo. Dippity-Doo? Yeah, it's a shampoo called Dippity-Doo. And because of that, like, less less miserables, like, miserable, you know, I I never knew how to pronounce it. I can still buy some right now at Walmart. What, Dippity-Doo? Walmart, and it says, Dippity-Doo Girls with Curls. Curl conditioner. Conditioner. This would be a wow. thing like it's a pink bottle. Like I think sounds it's sounds like a bride at Disney World. <laughs> it's some sort of shampoo that it helps with curls, it looks like. Hmm. Okay. But at any rate, I would never order it. I would never ask for it. You know, back then you didn't order things and have it delivered. You had to actually go into a drugstore and say, Where would I find the dippity do? Eckerd's drugs to be Right. Yeah. 
Never exactly. heard of an Eckerd's. <laughs> no, that's... Just um, what just missed the list? Like, it, what what, what oh, would have been I number have six? An extensive OLI. The last <laughs> musical that I saw before the pandemic was Tina, which was uh, in the West End. I was in London, like you know, you were on a cruise, Greg. I was abroad, and then we saw Tina, and then we were like, hmm, are we gonna get stuck here? We didn't, but Tina was <laughs> excellent. Um, Hamilton is on the OLI. I think Hamilton's probably, yeah, I mean, great. it's easily in my top 10, just misses the top five. Controversial. I, controversial yeah. now, because I think it was one of those things that is so popular that it immediately became corny and like, now is it's oversat like we're over oversaturated with Hamilton content probably right but um but I meant uh, controversial not making your top five that's what I meant oh yeah that's that's fair I yeah. think I mean I think if I made this list like to be honest I think it's a really strong list Greg I just don't see a place where Hamilton can slide into this list I just feel like these five musicals I all saw when I was younger and they've all been part of my life in one way or another i've either had to perform them or you know it helps having a movie version of them because i can keep watching them over and over hamilton doesn't have a film like it has the disney plus thing but that's a stage you know a film stage show so it's not really the same thing but hamilton's barely outside uh book of mormon was very funny i saw that when i was very young so it's been a while i feel like all the ones on your oli are like the ones i've seen yeah now we're getting into my sweet spot here what does oli mean oh god outside looking (laughs) in greg and oh yeah okay somebody doesn't listen to levitard show jeez mama mama mia again the abba very underrated musical was the spongebob musical that was on broadway uh in 2018 didn't have a very long run on broadway but i'm a huge spongebob fan so i loved it (laughs) and i thought the performances were excellent uh greece also in my oli Jess, before we let you go, I want to um, I, I want to ask you about your own uh, history of live performances uh, when you have performed in front of a crowd. But before I do that, I want Christopher to recall the time when he sang in a school choir. I remember. And and Christopher, I'm going to tell a story, and and you tell me if you remember this. You got to fax the fax to Santa. Yeah, you you that were was like one of my so I, I had a solo once in a song. And I don't remember the, the I don't I would sing it if I remembered it, but I just remember like the hook of it was I'm gonna fax fax the fax fax the fax to Santa. Right, <laughs> and you had on a little Kelly green vest, like yep. a, almost like a leprechaun type thing, uh, is what you guys wore, and and the audience were like um, nursing home people. <laughs> Well, we like performed for the school, but we also went around to a few. So Jess, what's your uh, what's your version of that story? Well, I had a very traumatizing musical theater career, Greg. Wow. It lasted for one musical. I was cast as the Grinch in our eighth grade rendition of Horton Hears a Who. Oh, yeah. Um, I didn't want to be the Grinch. I wanted to have a, a role with actual lines. And the Grinch only had one line. And I also felt that it was kind of like, what are you saying about me? Yeah, that what I'm... happened? Like, Why did they choose you? Do you remember what they said? They didn't say anything. They just said I was the Grinch. I was like, thanks. Maybe they, maybe you had a big smile and they were looking for a character that that could really do. I don't know. I'm just, I don't think that was it. I felt, I felt slightly put off by my casting as the Grinch. And then I only had one line. What was it? Um, where even a Grinch wouldn't dare to be terribly mean, something like that. (laughs) It was like one nice. stupid line. This this was in like oh, this was like 2008, but I remember. Did you say it? it did you say it begrudgingly? In the, I was just like, sure, yeah. And then I was just like 
glaring at Mr. and Mrs. Who the entire time and the cat in the hat. That's who you wanted to be? That's who you wanted to be? I think I wanted to be the cat in the hat because the cat in the hat's like the narrator and they sing like a very, I don't know, like it was in my vocal range at the time Mm. and I thought that I would have nailed that. And then the year before that, actually, I was... Um, cast as Judas in Jesus Christ Superstar, but it wasn't like a oh. full production. It was like f- in front of our class. Mm. Um, so that was when I, I memorized Judas's role in Jesus Christ Superstar. And again, like musical, just it, it means a lot to me, Greg. It's It's been with me my whole life. Is it fair to say that your uh, negative experience uh, as Grinch um, uh, really deterred and eliminated the possibility of what otherwise would have been just a wonderful career on the stage? I think that that's 100% true, Greg. And, you know, maybe it's what pushed me further into sports. Maybe I would have, you know, quit soccer to pursue musical theater in high school, but instead I doubled down on soccer. And I don't know where I would be in my career if I spent all those weekends in the theater instead of watching college football and NFL football games, but maybe I wouldn't be here. Was um and, and this is a final question. Was was there ever a time during your soccer career when uh in the middle of perhaps dribbling the ball downfield toward a beautiful shot on goal, you just broke into song? All the time, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and on that note, it was a delight. It was very effective, Greg, in, di- in distracting the goalie, <laughs> I will say. It, you know what? That, that would be very effective. It, why, don't more players, why don't more athletes do that in general? Great so you've question. got them stopping their defensive strategy and just starting to dance along with her? Like, what's yes. the... Yeah. Because I've, I've got them still trying to steal the ball and just being like, why is she singing? Greg, I have an idea. On In the World Cup corner kick, the defense... Instead of marking everyone, dancing. goal line, kick line, like yeah. the Rockets. Yes, <laughs> right. Let's do it. Oh, like, like, yeah, I like that. Like all of a sudden, put the flash mob in live sports. <laughs> I think that's what we need. I think we've hit on something here. I love and it. And on that beautiful note, the three of us get in unison like this, like just even though we can't see our feet, like Dad, get with like that, that, that. Me and Jess got it, but Dad's like going in the opposite direction. All right. <laughs> Thank you, Jess. Thanks for having me. Hey, that kind of thing. That kind of thing. That kind of thing. That kind of thing. Let me ask you an off-the-record question off of the podcast. That kind of thing. All right, what? <laughs> <laughs> That kind of thing. <laughs> Quit that. <laughs> it's annoying. What the hell's going on? That kind of thing. <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> That's actually funny. <laughs> no, go ahead. What did you? What were you gonna say? All right. Um, always love having Jessica on. She's uh, an illuminating person. A good singing voice. A delight. All the way around. I think we've only had her on the podcast once previously, right? Not counting little cameos on a boat or something. I mean, as a proper guest. That kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. That kind of thing. It's very musical. I do enjoy that. Anyway, so we talked to Jessica about the party before it happened. Uh, now we are recording this after the fact. Uh, Boffo uh, reviews for the party. Mm-hmm. I, I think your mother enjoyed it. Whether or not she was surprised... Uh, We'll probably never really truly know. She but, wasn't. Um, you don't think? No. 
Well, I mean, I think, Pat, we, I think we screwed up by not giving her enough attention about her birthday leading up. Like we were, yeah. we went, uh, you know, zero dark 30. Yeah. Not mentioning her birthday to her and that like her radar was up. That, like, that no was one, a fatal that, flaw. Only my yeah. wife of all her close friends and family like mentioned her birthday <laughs> beforehand. Really? Yeah. yeah, I should have. That was a big uh, faux pas by me because I did have a plan other than her birthday and I should have mentioned it. Or should I have at least said, so what do you want to do with your birthday? You know, and that kind of crap. Yeah. But anyway, it went very well. What did you think of the party? Be honest. I thought it was fun. I thought yeah. it was... You know, a nice combination of, uh, you know, it was kind of segregated, you know, work friends, personal friends. But, you know, I was cool with that. Yeah, it, it was uh, it was family and friends and work friends. I mean, it, it, those are the big three, right? I mean, who else <laughs> are you going to include? Like swinger friends. Swinger friends. Yeah, that could have been, uh, you know, ex-lovers. Bajong friends. Mahjong friends would have oh, yeah. been another Mahjong. element. When I say Bajong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pickleball friends. But I friends. survived it. I, yeah. What friends? Pickleball. Oh yeah, I want to play pickleball. By the way, do you have any interest in in playing pickleball yeah. with me? Mm-hmm. Okay, I want to do that. Not not as an Olympic sport, but just for fun. Uh, I want to. Uh, first of all, let me get the dad joke of the week over with, or okay. you know, blog de papa de la semaine, as our <laughs> French <laughs> listeners say. <laughs> dad joke of the week. Um, <laughs> why did the mosquito go to the dentist? Um, because he had an itch to improve his bite. Uh, that's not very good. Yeah, they can't all be good. Yeah. Um, some dads aren't very good, quite frankly. <laughs> um, so before we get out of this podcast, I have to circle back to the, the Charles Bricker stunt that I was a part of, uh, unwittingly, really, on the uh, Levitard show. I feel like, uh, I don't know what the reaction has been, what the reaction the show has gotten. Probably mostly favorable, but but not all favorable, I guarantee you, because I've heard some negative reaction about how the Charles Bricker stunt, the the impersonation of Charles Bricker, used an attempted suicide for comedic purposes. You know, and, and, you know, at that time, I thought I was talking to Charles Bricker. Uh, I swear I did. And um, so I reacted sympathetically, like, geez, I'm sorry to hear that and blah, blah, blah. But still... I, I think it uh, it turned off a lot of people once, certainly once they found out that the whole thing was a, a spoof. And um, I don't, you know, I, I think everybody uh, knows somebody, either directly or indirectly, who has suffered from depression or, uh, you know, mental illness or, or, you know, just suicidal thoughts even. And I don't think it's anything to fool with, really. And, and I want to mention just as almost as a, a little pissant public service that anybody listening who uh, has suffered from these dark thoughts you know you're not alone and uh, and um, there are people out there to help you and um, you know it used to be an 800 number for the national suicide prevention hotline and there still is one but now uh, just recently i think beginning in july there's now a three-digit uh, dialing code hotline for uh, the national suicide prevention and and that is 988 so in all seriousness, we kid a lot on this podcast, but if anybody out there uh, has has bouts with depression and, and has ever had any of the darkest thoughts, um, 988 is the number to call. Uh, you're more of a part of the show than I am. What did you think of the whole Bricker thing? Yeah, I mean, in it, I thought it was a great bit because you bit it hook, line, and sinker. Yeah, <laughs> and, I did. And, you know, he, uh, Adam was given a character 
you know, there weren't lines written out. That wasn't something we planned. And he went there and, you know, it, it made us all, I think, a little uncomfortable. It's a learning lesson for the producers, too, because that was not live. Like, that happened a day before we aired it. Yeah. So we could have edited that out. So, right. you know, that's on all of us. And it's definitely a serious thing that shouldn't be joked about. So it's, yeah. it's, it's definitely a learning experience for us all. I feel terrible and apologize to anybody that was triggered by that or, right. you know, that's why it stinks with comedy because sometimes you're just trying to be funny. You know, that's why like, I, I don't even necessarily think Adam, he's, he's a guy who gives to a lot of good causes. You know what I mean? It's not like just cause he got carried away in a spot, you know, I don't right. even necessarily hold it against him personally, but it's right. just, when you're trying to be funny and you're improving and you don't have anything planned out, you right. sometimes you might cross a line that you you, you don't want to hurt anybody. You're just trying yeah. to be funny. Right. I I think uh, because suicide is such a a no joke situation in all cases. I think that's why I took it seriously. That's why I never assumed for a second that that some he was that this was a character trying to put me on. That did occur to me later in the conversation when Bricker quote unquote started talking about this religious cult that he was in and trying to enlist, you know, enlist me to, and there was a van coming to pick me up. And that's when it really began to go off the rails a little bit, but, um, uh, but, but a good, uh, you know, a, a good bit, nonetheless, a daring bit that, uh, uh, and, and, and the question still is out there. Where's Charles Bricker? <laughs> Charles, if you're listening, if it's really you, I want you to call into our hotline. I don't even know if we have a hotline, but, you want to call into it um so the mullet championship is going on um and i did some research on a mullet christopher have you ever known me to have a mullet no but i think with you know where your hair game is at at this point you could pull off a mullet because i feel like you can still go long in the back yeah it's just like you know the hairline might not be great right like, I'm, I'm right there with you i'm not like judging i'm not throwing yeah. stones no i could definitely pull off a mullet if i if i let my hair grow long uh, while at the same time keeping it shaved off my ears on the sides, I would have a mullet in a matter of months. Um, I did some research on a mullet, and and everybody knows, but if they don't, the mullet basically means your hair is short on top and on the sides, but long in the back. Uh, I think it was popular in the 1980s. If you look at back when MTV actually used to play music videos, if if you look at some of those 80s rock videos, a lot of the uh, actors in those rock videos had mullets. Um, Why are it, we bringing uh, up mullets? Because there's uh, the, <laughs> the USA mullet championships are going on. Uh, there, there's fi- I'm reading here. There's finalists from 16 states looking for the title of best mullet in the nation by age division. And it's a $2,500 cash prize. How about that? So people are growing a mullet just to, to win this prize. Probably. So you like have to travel like the, like you're spending that much just to travel to this competition. Yes, right. It's it's just for the the absolute prestige of being the the are, the are, are like the guys that are the big favorites. Like, are they all sponsored by like you know hair products and? I sure hope so. Cowboy boots and yeah, they gotta be right. The mullet. I didn't know this. I, I, I'm a sort of a Beastie Boys fan, but I didn't know that they had a prominent song in 1994 called Mullet Head, which is considered um, what really popularized the whole idea of the mullet. But it actually began with an Australian car magazine called Street Machine, which referenced mullet haircuts in 1992. So for anybody who's just been dying to know about the history of the mullet, I think we've just given it to you. Uh, Christopher, I would like you to, to wear a mullet because I don't feel like you have ever had what I would call 
long hair. Like you've never had shoulder length hair, right? Nah. Why is that? I don't know. I'm just always kind of, you know, dug it not that way. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't okay. most people like what percentage of people have long hair at one point? Uh, well, you know, if if you were a teenager or in your 20s uh, in the 1960s, 70s and 80s, I guarantee you, you had long hair. I'm thinking of like, you know, my 15 closest friends. And I think like two of them have had really like Tommy Sofrega. Right. Like, I'm trying to think who else has had really long hair. I don't think it's fashionable now. It used to be, though. Like, when I was in high school, any picture you see of me when I'm, like, 17, 18, 19, I have shoulder-length hair. I have long hair. I'm, I'm like, yeah. you know, I, I was not quite old enough to be a hippie because when the hippie thing was happening, I was, like, in my mid-teens, 14 or whatever. But um, I definitely went through the long hair stage. And now I'm going through the dyed hair stage, which yeah, I'm are. going to admit to everybody... Uh, I find myself apologizing for my hair because it's too dark. It's black. It, no, it I, don't think, black. I don't think I don't think people know. I, mean, no? I, I, I think it's just enough where people that are around you a lot might be like, whoa, his hair was a little gray like last week. But if right. people haven't seen you in, you know, seven months, like, I don't think it's like, whoa, this guy's, <laughs> you know, I don't think it's that painfully obvious. Okay. It, yeah, that, that, that's probably true. By the way, um, I have to admit, I, I don't consider myself a gullible person. And, and I say that even as I got pulled by the Charles Bricker stunt. I'm not a gullible person, but I have You're to talk into your mic, my friend. Jesus. Christ. I know I'm, I'm being too casual on this episode. I'm like having a conversation, forgetting that I'm actually physically leaning into a mic. You're Sorry. Like, what am I, what um, are we doing over here? I got like... pulled by that Antonio Brown quote last week, which I totally thought was him talking. I thought that was his direct quote. And it turns out somebody else had said that about him as if it were him and he apparently liked it and retweeted it do i have that right yeah or, or i don't know who created it but somebody not antonio brown wrote it like like thinking this is something antonio would say right and antonio's like yeah yeah, yeah i would say that in fact <laughs> let's share it at what right. point like if you share a quote of you on your instagram it's like you're releasing a statement yes exactly like okay so you have a ghostwriter for your quotes that's right. basically what's going on here yeah exactly so i maybe i shouldn't apologize for being duped you've been duped quite a few times in recent weeks so like this is the right. least of them i will at least give you that okay all right um a quick sports question uh i'm curious what you thought um about the settlement between the nfl and the players union over the deshaun watson penalty basically it went from a six-game suspension and no fine to 11 games and a $5 million fine. Now, I wrote a column about it. Thank God the whole thing is over, but his punishment doesn't end when he can play again because he's still going to hear that reaction from every visiting stadium he goes. And the fact that he's not admitting yet any guilt, you know, he did give a half-assed apology, but he's not admitting any guilt. So he's really, this is not behind him just because... There's an end date now. What did you think of, of yeah, the extended penalty? That's the part that is annoying and frustrating and just I hope he experiences because we don't really have like who's the guy in sports that has just been like 
this is the most hated guy yeah. in sports in terms of like consensus, even at some home games. Like it's 50-50 even at home games. Right. I can't think of an example of that in any sport where it's yeah. just a guy consensus. Like this guy almost doesn't deserve to be here. Oh. So that's, I hope he becomes that guy. And it's like the biggest booze in every arena and every yeah. possession. And the fact that he like, cause he's even gone back and forth. He was like, never, he was denied, denied, deny. And then there was like one quote where he was like, I, you know, he gave like, or it was just like, it wasn't even a good apology, but like no. he said something. And then he's now he's back to, I never did anything wrong. I know. So it's like, he's gone back and forth. It just makes me sick. When the commissioner of your league, the commissioner of the NFL has referred to what Deshaun Watson did as egregious and predatory. The NFL's own investigation found him guilty of sexual assault in at least four cases of women they interviewed. So he has been found guilty by the league that he plays in. And yet he goes on and and he's going to be booed in every stadium and, and he's going to hear the ugly chants like he heard in Jacksonville last week. And, and you know what? He's brought it all on himself. I, I don't feel much sympathy for him at all. And until he uh, does a proper apology, and says, yeah, I had a real problem. I'm getting treatment for it. I am so sorry. I'm sorry I lied. Until that happens, I don't think he ever gets past this. I think I, it follows him his entire career. I can't believe that no players have, like, really stood out and been vocal about, like, you know, maybe because, like, do you think it's, like, a players' union thing where, like, the players' unions, like, don't do that? Like, it, it, yeah. hurts, us. it hurts us as a union if we... I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I'm yeah. surprised there hasn't been a single player that's like, this is bullshit. Right. Yeah. Like, no, you're right. I like, mean, like Patrick Mahomes came out and was like, why is he able to play right now? Yeah, like, exactly. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I'm surprised that has, like, there's nobody that's done that. Yeah. Including, and, unless I'm missing it, uh, there haven't been a lot of, and, and the, the media now is full of former athletes. Has, has there been a former NFL player? On any major platform, I mean, who media, has... media members have been pretty strong. All like it was pretty consensus. Everyone was like, he should get at least a year, right? You know, but we would still be here. What would would we feel that much better if it was a year? Like, I mean, the fact I, that I, the look, fact that he is so unapologetic is the fr I would still be frustrated about that. I'd right. be like, he. I don't think he should get to ever play again until he admits that he did something wrong. Yeah. Like, it's bullshit. Like that's what I mean. Like this, like the yeah, the the penalties, eleven games, sixteen. We can debate that, whatever. Right. But it's like that. I would still be angry at his attitude about this yeah. whole thing and the fact that he's kind of getting away with it. He's gonna yeah. well be the starting quarterback, whether it's twelve games in or next season. He's gonna yeah. be the starting quarterback, making millions and millions of dollars, having done all of that. Yeah, but at the same time, he'll he'll never get his good name back. He'll never get his reputation back. And I think he's gonna discover. His first game back from suspension on December 4th uh, in Houston, his former team against his former team. He's going to discover right then that uh, his punishment has not ended, that uh, that these the booing and the vitriol and the ugly chants against him are going to continue and they're going to follow him. And um, and that's that's what he's brought on himself um, on, a, on a happier note. <laughs> um, quick update on Transition. our um, uh, petition drive. At change.org oh to change. Can we, just, can we just end the episode? To change, <laughs> to change Mount Rushmore to Mount Gregmore. An army, a growing army. 227 people have. Well, last time I looked, it was 226. But wow. you know what? I completely just guessed. <laughs> Maybe it's 227 by now. And if it isn't, go to change.org and make it so.
be the dream. That is such Thanks. a sad small percentage of the people that listen to the last two weeks of episodes <laughs> that nobody uh, cares about this. Like, it's not that I funny. Know. It's just you wanting to say Greg Mount It's Greg an important Moore. cause, which we've discussed before. But, uh, hey, appreciate you all. As always, pod family, thank you. Thanks to Jessica. Really uh, enjoyed her being on the podcast. Uh, good uh, good kid she is. And uh, <laughs> And we'll catch you next week. That kind of thing. pretty bad yeah. is that what i did a couple of times <laughs> did i sound like this i'm like coming from a tin can back on mars or what okay here i am now i'm leaning in now my lips are right that's on the too mic much. See, that's too much see like a little that kind of thing <laughs> uh, that does have a musical quality that kind of thing talking about that kind of thing uh, That kind of thing. <laughs>